All right, all right. Welcome to the Generally Mediocre Biotechnology Podcast. Here I am. I'm Andy, Dr. Ryan, who is not a doctor. I only play one on podcasts. That's right. That's right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, details. So GMB is known for our tutorials being very detailed, uh, very clear explanation of a lot of movements that uh, people seem to think are very complex, but they are complex. And things that a lot of people gloss over, we make we try to make them accessible by providing a lot of details. So we're going to talk about why we choose those details, mm -hmm. um, what's important about those, and a little bit about how you can make sure that you're choosing the right things to focus on when you train. So it's going to be helpful for coaches, but definitely helpful for everyone trying to figure out of all the things I could be trying to, to focus on when I practice, what's most important? Yes. And like anything, I mean, different coaches, different teachers uh, all teach different ways. Um, the way that we teach, we're not saying it's the best, but uh, for what we're doing at GMB, it is the best way. And so uh, and today we're going to be looking at some things, for example, our values and why we teach the way we teach and the ways that can help you for what you want to be doing. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean... There's, it gets people's knickers in a twist. I like that phrase. It gets people's knickers in a twist when you say this is the way we suggest doing something, and then uh, it's not what they're used to. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do is they'll fire back. Well, uh, this coach said do it this way, and yeah. and this guy said do it this way, and this guy said you should never bend your back, mm -hmm. and this guy said that you should squat this way. Well, this guy's talking about squatting with like a thousand pounds on your yeah. back. You know, and, you know, everyone wants to say, well, oh, my God, why do these different people calling themselves experts have different opinions? Mm -hmm. Somebody must be wrong. Right. And the truth is that sometimes experts are wrong, for one, but also different experts are expert in different things and they're living in different contexts, different situations. And so they are choosing the details that they focus on based on those contexts. And some of it is preference. But some of it comes down to uh, the values of what is important to them and their exactly. clients. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to be talking about mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, for GMB, our values come down to building your autonomy, making sure that you're able to do this for the long run, longevity, and also making it fun. Those three things are what we try to focus on. Uh, so we will get further into each of those later on. But first, let's talk a little bit about specifics with this, because I know, Ryan, when you're teaching in seminars, this comes up a lot when you demonstrate a movement or you'll just go on and give people a coaching cue. And uh, it very often happens that the people with the most experience are the ones that get the most. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any specific examples of like a particular move Absolutely. or something? This is great. And it's a topic that comes out every single workshop, seminar, event. Uh, that we teach. A great example is when we're showing the crab movement in GMB. And so in GMB, I ask that people have their fingers facing to the outside. Okay. Um, we always have someone pretty much every single time, someone that's gone through animal flow. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that Mike Fitch uh, is a good friend of mine. And the thing with animal flow is that they teach the hand position differently. So which is correct? And the answer is yes. 
And the reason I say this is because we have different goals for what we're after when we're performing the crab. And so with Mike's, I'm not going to try and explain why Mike does it the way he does. That's Mike's way of doing it for animal flow. We have specific reasons for why we do that in GMB. That's one example. The other thing is also the A-frame position that we have. And so this is an assessment movement that we use. And right off the bat, a lot of people will say, hey, that's just downward facing dog in yoga. And the thing is, is yes, it looks that way. But there are different reasons for why we do the, or use that particular position in GMB. And so this is something that I always mention when people come to our seminars is, I, you know, respect everyone for the knowledge that they have. But I would like everyone to take that knowledge and just kind of put it to the side for a second and just look at what we're trying to do with open eyes. And so rather than saying, okay, we're correct, we just say, hey, listen, here's a different way to look at it. And unfortunately, though, on the interwebs, we have a lot of people that don't really do that. Another great example is whenever I show a hollow body um, plank, you know, you get the yoga people say, no, that's incorrect. That's not the way to do a plank. And hey, whatever. Right. We all have our reasons for doing what we're doing. Right. And I think this is really important because you've studied mm -hmm. several martial arts, yoga, gymnastics, yes. yoga, yes. various yes. fitness modalities. Uh, Jarlo has been a physical Ever? therapist for more than 10 years now, done several martial arts, uh, is actively yes. teaching self-defense and other things. Uh, I've done martial Very art long. for yeah. quite a while. And we have experienced a lot of things. Um, and so we understand that there, that these moves keep coming up in a lot of contexts, but specifically in GMB, we're not teaching right. GMB as a right. martial art or as yoga or as whatever, or any of these other contexts. So when we use movements that are also seen in these things, we're not using them in those contexts. We're like gymnastics is a great example because, you know, we teach a lot of things that come from gymnastics, but we're not teaching them in a sport gymnastics context uh, or even a recreational gymnastics context for somebody trying to get to higher level gymnastics skills. We're teaching them in a fitness context for people mm -hmm. that are trying to get stronger and move better. And so the, the things that are important in that are different. And it's really important to understand, like people want to look at something and say, oh, well, that's a movement from this. And even not getting mm -hmm. into that, we've written and talked about that before. But, right. So you should do it this way. Well, you should do it that way Absolutely if you're right. doing it for right. that purpose, right? If you're doing mm -hmm. a break fall for mm -hmm. judo, you should do it one way. If you're doing a rolling maneuver for making your body more limber and flexible and building your spatial awareness, exactly. well, that's completely different. You don't need to be worried about necessarily the surface that you're falling on. You don't need to be able to get up in a position that has you like tactically grounded. You don't need to keep your eye on your opponent as soon as possible yeah. if you're doing this for spatial awareness and for uh, you know general fitness. If you're doing oh, this in yeah. judo, you better bet your ass that you've got to get your feet under Absolutely. you and get your eyes on your opponent ASAP. And so, yeah, and it, you know, it comes back to the goals. What is the purpose? Why are you doing this? And, um, you know, like you said, with the background, you know, my background, you know, judo, other, you know, multiple martial arts, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, not trying to 
showcase Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in GMB. We're not trying to showcase something in there. We're simply saying, hey, let's look at improving your strength. Let's look at improving your flexibility. Let's look at improving your control and doing it in a way that you can use it for the other things in your life that you want to be doing and apply it to that. So that's the big differentiation is that we're not doing a specific sport or specific activity. We're, we're training to, to have better uh, physical autonomy in wide ranges of uh, moves. And again, coming back to longevity as well as having fun with it. So, yeah. Right. So, absolutely. So we could probably give dozens of examples of specific details that we do in ways that are different from what people are used to. Uh, I think the the crab mm-hmm. and the, the A-frame down dog and some of these other things and some of these movements from martial arts are, are probably good enough to give people a good idea of what we're talking about. So let's move. We'll, we'll get more into how we choose the specific details later, but let's talk briefly about also, general guidance on details for exercise form, why this is important, and uh, sort of how we think about detail and how we think about form. Uh, we have, I believe we have an article about this on our website, and we have done a previous mm-hmm. podcast yeah. on what good form means, but we haven't really talked too much about, uh, mm-hmm. too much about why we make the decisions we do about that, where that thinking comes from. And so I think this is a good place to say that, you know, just like we kind of alluded to, we're not really attached too much to the right ways of doing things in a particular context. We're not really worried about exercise names or the semantics about stuff. In fact, our uh, we have a program that has a variety of different movements in it that's made for building muscle control. Mm-hmm. And we specifically avoid naming any of the exercises in that because we don't want people to bring their preconceived experiences and ideas into the daily practice. Um, so that's what we don't really care about. Uh, so let's talk about what we yes. do care about it's, with this. Number one thing that we're looking after. I, well, let me, I don't want to say number one. It's one of the things that we're looking at is, is first off safety and can you get into a particular position safely and perform that particular position or movement safely? And that's, of course, not, you know, just leading to longevity, also looking at physical autonomy. And the reason why is that if you force yourself to do something, then that, that means that you don't have that autonomy. Um, an example would be coming back to the gymnastics side of thing. You know, I was a competitive gymnast um, very long time. There are certain things that you're required to do and you have to do that in order to receive a particular point or score. The thing is, you know, right. if that's something that you're working towards, you're going to focus only on those particular things. What we're after though really is looking at where you currently are in your body. What can you do safely right now in order to help you work towards that autonomy, work towards that longevity and as well have fun. So that's why specific things, um, the why that we do things is, is first off looking at that safety. And and if I can pause you right there, like I just want to give a really clear example of a thing where sport rules 
uh, really define what people practice. I mean, you gave something from gymnastics that, you know, there are specific things that people have to do. So of course, gymnasts practice those things. But here's a really, a really simple example. I, so I went to a oh, tournament yeah. a long time ago in Kyok, for Kyokushin Karate. Kyokushin Karate, uh, you punch to the body. Yeah. You cannot punch to the head. You can kick to the head. And it's a full contact style. But uh, because of the rules, people are optimized to know that within a certain distance, their head is safe. Mm-hmm. So they don't cover their head. And I was watching yeah. these people. They're getting right up in each other's faces mm-hmm. and just doing body punches and not even caring about their head uh, because the rules forbid that. My martial art, uh, we have a lot of things that uh, are not allowed. When MMA kind of first started with the UFC and all the BJJ guys were just destroying all of these you know, boxers and karate guys because none of these joint techniques or grappling moves were ever allowed in karate practice, right? And so these are examples where you can see that people can get to a very high level in something and in their context, they look like they're really good at it. But because of the rules of engagement, because of the assumptions of that context, they leave huge holes, huge weaknesses open. And this is true of fitness training as well. If your fitness training is based on the way that uh, is based on like, uh, you know, dance aerobics or something, then you're not going to have a whole lot of things uh, with pulling strength, right? If your fitness training is based on the way that uh, somebody trained as a college athlete, you're going to see a lot of sprints, you're going to see, you know, burpees Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You're probably going to see some weight room stuff, but there's going to be a lot of things that are left out from that. There's not going to be a whole lot of like complex movements outside of sports specific drills. And so this is something that's really important. Um, the assumptions of the source material get carried forward and they don't make sense where you are. And so that's why safety is really important here when you're looking at things where someone is teaching right. in a certain context right. that might not be right. safe for your context. And, and likewise, and I mean, background you do see people who get so hooked on something in terms of only using blinders to see it and saying, oh, well, that's not going to help me for X or something like that and completely miss the point of why something is, is being done. Um, again, you can bring that back to martial art and everything like that as well. But, um, Bringing it back to that in terms of safety and things like that over the years, you know, when we first started with GMB, it was more gymnastic based things. That's what we were doing, but we've refined it. We're looking at, at not doing more, but actually doing or taking movements and using movements that perhaps good way to look at it is have better carryover for more things and allow a person to focus on less in order to do more of what they want to do down the line. Uh, again, coming back to the crab example of why we turn the hands out to the side, uh, two, well, a couple of things, but main things, the two things are for one, um, it's a carryover for when a person is is performing the L-sit or a movement similar to where they have to support themselves above something where they're holding on to something. And so when they're holding on to something, the hands are naturally going to be turned out with the fingers to the outside. Um, that is setting a person up to be able to get stronger, have better flexibility and control in the first position in the crab so that when they move on to those other movements, um, 
they're naturally going to have that feeling for what it hopefully and should feel like when they're performing that. The other thing too is a lot of people have wrist issues. And some people actually can't get into the position with the fingers facing forward uh, when they're performing the crab. And so um, various reasons for doing this. And again, the safety portion of it, looking at the flexibility of the wrist, the strength of the wrist. Does a person actually have control when they're moving, um, you know, with their fingers facing out? I've just found that doing that actually supports that person uh, for what we're after, again, in GMB when they're moving around on the ground and then apply to other particular positions uh, as they advance uh, throughout the progressions. I think that's great because a lot of people look at uh, – yeah, we, we do a lot, a lot. of variations yeah. that don't Fair. seem like they're moving you toward yeah. a goal sometimes. Exactly. We'll, yeah, you know, people are like, like – we'll do the bear, bear walk like, forward okay. and the bear walk backward. Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. Like how is this – Yeah. Like what's, there, what's yeah, the next it. progression right. of the bear? Well, the next progression is get really good at these things. And yeah. But the thing is, is what we're doing is not necessarily trying to get you to something harder. What we're doing is trying to get you really, really good at these things. And we're building safety within this by changing it just enough that you're doing it with your joints or your force vectors in a little different direction. And you're building safety, building mm -hmm. more control in these, in these positions, in these movement ranges. And so that's a lot of what we're trying to do by by staying at a relatively low level yeah. compared to what people, what a lot of people might assume they're trying to move toward a goal. We actually stay at a lower level, but do similar things at the same low level yeah. before we move yeah. up. And that is sure. mostly and, a safety you know, play. And you mentioned uh, this earlier too, spatial you know, awareness. Physical and Other things that a person might not even be aware of that they're improving while they're doing that. Um, also, you know, moving into maybe the next topic of uh, – since we're talking about details, trying to keep the cues to a low number and sometimes even just one cue. In fact, that's something that I really like to focus on um, during the apprenticeship uh, in order to become a GMB trainer. You go through the apprenticeship and that is something that everyone, every candidate has trouble with because they want to try and do all this stuff. And no, we're focusing on one single thing. The bear is a great example. Just shove your butt up into the air as high as you possibly can. Great. When you can do that, you can focus on doing that and don't forget about doing it. It becomes natural. Move on to the next cue. Uh, likewise with the crab, do you have your elbow pits facing forward when you're walking? That's the only thing in the very beginning you're going to be focusing on. And so by keeping those cues uh, to a minimum, you know, you're not overwhelmed with things. And the only issue with that, if there is an issue, is that a lot of people want to hurry up to the next thing and they think that they have it and they think they're not progressing or they think that it's too easy because you're only focusing on a single thing. But as you mentioned, you know, keeping the things low, you'll be getting that feedback if you're uh, aware of that and you're open to the fact um, that it's about practice and looking at building those skills. Yeah. And this is something that, I mean, especially anyone that's coaching, listening to this, but also for your own practice as well. Um, you know, I started teaching or helping teach martial art when I was about 12. Uh, I was a school teacher for several years. I've done corporate training. I've taught teacher training in all kinds of different environments. And even in GMB too, like when we have our apprenticeship, 
the number one, absolutely number one, and I say this in the context that I have made this mistake myself in various contexts, the number one rookie mistake as a teacher or a coach is to try to fix too many things at once, to try to give too much information, too many details, too many cues. And invariably, all this accomplishes is confusing your your student or your client and also making it really hard for them to practice, to, to get better at any of those things, right. any of them. So what you're actually doing is you're preventing them from progressing by giving them too many things so they can't actually fix any of them. So if you're a coaching or even if you were just doing your own workout and trying to figure out what should I, where should my mind be right now? One thing, like Ryan said, like yeah. we, we sometimes give up to three technical cues on an exercise because some of them have a lot going on. And as you progress, you, you want to be able to fix multiple things. But like the, the, as, as Bruce Lee is, is famous for saying, you know, like, uh, yeah. the height of cultivation runs towards simplicity, remove, always remove. Adding more more technical cues does not make does not fix your technique. It never fixes your technique. Adding more things to think about does not make you better. Remove them until you have only one. And that is the best position to be in as a trainer where you can give the one cue that's going to fix multiple things. It doesn't mean that we let everything slide, but if we can come up with one cue that fixes multiple things, that's why yeah, Ryan. Well, that's just the thing. You see a person in that A-frame, and they could be stagging. And so what you they could do is they're lacking what scapular else elevation. They could have their arms bent. They could possibly have their legs bent. The heels are up off of the floor. But by asking that person to push their butt up into there, what's happening? Scapular elevation. Arms are going to be locked out. It's going to improve the lower back in terms of being able to have that pelvic tilt. You're also looking at elongating the legs in order to get a better stretch facilitated throughout the movement the heels are going to be going closer to the so there's so many different things core activation and how it happens as well and it's about one single cue and it's not that we're trying to fix anything we're trying to bring better awareness so that a person can learn what is actually going on in their body so yes right so let's talk about that awareness of something this is another this is you know the third reason but we'll we'll get back to the second one we kind of reverse order here it's all right it's all right you threw me for a loop there but good transition and then i fucked it up um okay so awareness this is one of the really big reasons Mm -hmm. that we that we have cues obvious i mean it's obvious in a sense that why do you cue something to bring awareness to it you say something so somebody pays attention to it. But yeah. beyond that, we're trying to bring awareness, not just to specific things, but awareness in general, right? Because what happens a lot of times is if you look at a video and you may not know what that person is thinking or why they're doing a thing or even what context they're practicing in, but you look at a video and you say, I will do the thing in that video, Right? And then you try to mimic it as best you can. And if you are like 70% there, you think I'm doing it. And are you paying particular attention to the way your force transfers over the, the surface of your foot as your weight shifts? Nope. Are you paying attention to uh, exactly where your fingers are pointing and your joint alignment? Are you doing this in the safest way? Are you doing this in a way that makes it easier for you to learn something from this? No, you're just doing what right. feels like what the thing looks like. And so without something to focus on, you blast through it. 
what we do is we try to give you cues to bring your awareness back to the fact that you're practicing, not that you're following something on a video, bring your focus back to your body. If you just get a cue, like just stick your butt up or feel your hand on the floor, even that is just enough to bring your awareness back to your body and not just the cue, but to other parts. So bringing the awareness into your experience and we like to give cues that are not just so I want to, I also uh, want to add externally to that, rotating to your scapula but because if, nobody knows what are, the hell that means. If you're the kind of coach means, who's right? giving this long cue, we're asking them to do this long thing, it's not going to happen. It's It's got to be short and it's got to be a cue that the person can actually do. It's like telling a person to relax or something like that. How the hell do you relax? Or, you know, like in the muscle up, it always drives me crazy. So I'm going to go on a rant here when people are like – you got to get your shoulders over your hands. Right. Get your shoulder. Well, how the hell do you get your shoulders over your hands? There's one thing. Elbows back. Elbows back. Giving them that one cue. That happens. Give them a cue that is going to allow them to perform that without having to think too much about what's going on in there. That is where the awareness comes because it brings it to a certain uh, one point and allows them to perform that. Then they can learn what it means to be aware rather than just asking a person to relax. Right. Someone who already has exceptional motor control and body awareness, you know, they can do Mm -hmm. things like, you know, Mm -hmm. elevate the scapula, externally rotate the elbow, you know, like tilt the pelvis. Like people can do that, right? People that have done a lot of practice with breathing Mm -hmm. and things like that, they can actually feel their diaphragm move. And and so we we know how to relax the diaphragm. But if I'm coaching yep. someone and I'm like, relax your diaphragm, yep. use your stomach muscles to breathe or something like that, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you smoking, man? Like they don't know what that feels like. And so you can't give cues that are based on anatomical structures to people that don't already have immense levels of control and awareness. Give cues. Your cue has to be something that you can feel. It has to be something that you can feel. Mm-hmm. You know, press your palms into the floor, stick your butt up, right? Yeah. Pull your Squeeze knees your tight butt, to your whatever. chest. Whatever. Yeah. So, Drop your shoulders down to your down to your you know ribs or whatever. Any give a feeling that people can know they're doing it right because otherwise they're not going to get any of this stuff. And this is about awareness, right? This is how someone knows they're doing the cue correctly. Exactly. If I say right. externally rotate something, right. they're like, they're, exactly. they're going to be like, yeah. and again, is there this a mirror? Is, this is why we use these cues. And this is why over the years, you know, teaching seminars and working with people even in know. person, yes, we could talk about anatomy, but the problem is, is the people in the seminar, if they don't have the same vocabulary and they don't understand what's going on, it's not going to happen. So how can you explain it to the entire group of people out there in a way that's going to allow everyone to participate and fully understand what's going on? And so that's another reason why we give these cues the way that we do. Now, coming back to something, say, yeah, coming back to something, I'm kind of leading into the next thing, right. but but you mentioned, you know, bringing yeah. awareness into that movement. Yeah, Sometimes people, people might be thinking about, okay, I, I need to push down and through the floor as I perform this movement, but they're still rushing through the movement and they're missing out. And so one of the best things and something coming back to the apprenticeship that we're talking about that pretty much we say every single day for every single movement is slow 
down. And even when we say slow down, people think they're going slow and they're still going fast because we're so used to exercising rather than practicing a movement. And there's a big difference there. It's difference between just getting your sweat on and blowing through a workout and actually learning and being aware of what we're talking about in a movement. And the way to do that is by slowing it down to the point where you're like, oh, I've never done it this slow before. Great. You're going to get so much feedback by doing that. It's going to be much harder. Great. That's why going down to that first variation, that first progression, if you will, of a movement is actually so important because if you can't do that movement at its lowest level at the beginning, slow as possible and know everything about it, it's going to be difficult when you move towards the next thing. And by the way, I'm not saying that you should only perform that basic movement for like a year or something like that. I, I encourage people I encourage people to move on and play and explore. I'm just saying that the way to get better at things is by slowing it down and bringing awareness into those foundation movements so that you're able to then explore, um, I don't want to say better, but maybe more. Open your options up and allow yourself to do um, more. Uh, great thing here, just uh, yesterday, I was uh, on Instagram and recently I posted right. a video about me doing a lot of different rolling variations and things like that. And uh, the question is, oh, I could never do that, Ryan. How, how, how can I be able to do that or something like that? Well, the answer is pretty simple in the sense that you just started the basics with the basics and you get. The- yeah. <laughs> right. Lots I mean, the answer is easy. You basically, balls, you start gymnastics uh, at age, what, nine, everything. Yeah. And so uh, doing yeah. that, the answer is like, you can't compare it, you know, with and then start a fitness, you know, if you, you want to be able to do, able to do that does. stuff, you start at age five in gymnastics, like you said, but, <laughs> but you know, anything though, if you want to learn, it's like, oh, great. I want to be able to play guitar like that guy. Okay. You got to start at the beginning. And you just got to practice. You just got to learn the basics, get very, very comfortable with the basics. When you get to a certain level, then it's a matter of exploration, right. you know, and, and that's, that's where that awareness comes in because you can't just hope to just, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and this can be this and this can be this. It, it's not this linear progression of anything. It's that foundation, slowing things down, being aware, focusing on a single thing at one time. Then when you start to get better, opening up your mind, if you will, to be able to explore new things. But again, always coming back to that foundation and making sure that you're honing that craft. And so this is the difference between, you know, an athlete and a, and a great athlete um, is that their awareness and their ability to understand what's going on when they're performing the foundational movements. And that's really kind of where it's at. So. Yeah, and I think this is really important uh, to understand is that when you see people that are very gifted technically or athletically, you still have to understand that just because they can do everything effortlessly now, they didn't start that way. Nobody started that way. None of them. Better you than me, man. We have, we have, uh, I just uh, answered some comments on YouTube, which God help me, uh, read the comments seriously. 
you know, we get some great comments and very intelligent questions and everything too, but it's also YouTube. And so you, you get a lot of really ignorant and stupid comments, but we also have some comments from people that, you know, I can see where they're coming from. So our cartwheel tutorial for some reason has been trending or something lately. We've gotten a lot of comments on it. I know somebody linked to it or something. And, you know, we got a bunch of comments like, you know, I want to see somebody who can't do a cartwheel, do a cartwheel. Well, if they can't do a cartwheel, why, how would they do a cartwheel? Exactly. You know, yeah. like, oh, well, you're just showing a person who already knows how to do a cartwheel on your cartwheel tutorial. Well, yes, because <laughs> how can we teach something that we can't do? How can we, how can we show you how to do a cartwheel without knowing how to do a cartwheel? That doesn't make any sense. You know? Well, Oh, you know, how, okay. how do you know one cartmail will, uh, one comment I think it was saying is I, I want to know if this is real or if it works. And I, I assure you cartwheels are real. Cartwheels exist. Cartwheels are out there in the wild existing yeah. for people. Cartwheels are very real and cartwheels work. And the thing is, yeah. the first time I tried a cartwheel, I fell down second time and the 10th time I fell down. And the thing is, you probably will too. But the difference between me and somebody yep. looking at this YouTube yep. video is my first time trying a cartwheel, I was seven. And now at 40 something, I've been doing cartwheels a long damn mm -hmm. time. But that does not mean that the process is really significantly different. I just did the work that you have to do now in the past. And so to bring it back to what we're talking about with the details of all this stuff, all of these things are about understanding that it is a process. Awareness of how your body is moving is a process that you have to develop over time. And that's why we have these cues to give you this so that you can do these things easily, not just throw your body upside down and not die. That's not a cartwheel, yeah. right? Okay. So it takes time, but spending the time Yes. Building that awareness is what makes you able to do things effortlessly. Spending the time in it, you know, experiencing it, doing that is important. Not just you're not just going to see a tutorial and know how to do it and be able to do it. I mean, some people you can with some things, but you're still not mastering that thing and you're not owning it mm -hmm. and you're not going to be yeah. very good at it. It's and so that's why we have we throw a lot of cues in here that are kind of like a monkey wrench just to slow you down and literally to slow your progress. I mean, you know, you just said you want people to move forward with stuff, but yeah. also we do want absolutely you to move forward, so in, not in, in a jump in ahead just to rate go a little a bit deeper that in that topic. There are actually really groups out there that things. say, you know, you have yeah. to have yeah. a certain um, duration of time before you're allowed to move on and things like that. That's great, but the thing is, is you know. Let's focus on that awareness. Are you truly aware of what's going on in your body? And if you are, well, then hey. Keep practicing, keep focusing on that, and then try the next progression, variation, whatever. Are you comfortable with that? Are you able to do that safely? Then it comes back to the safety part of it. We're looking at, again, that longevity, being able to not just do it now and get a particular trick, but be able to enjoy this stuff for as long as possible without breaking your shit. And so awareness. That's why we keep bringing things back to the awareness and being able to work towards that autonomy, mastering a particular movement. Focus on the process. Yes, the goal is great. Figure out your goal. 
Okay, have it align with your values. But the thing is, is once you've figured out your goal, then it's time to look at the process to get you there. Focus on that process and then enjoy it. Coming back to the fun, our value of fun. And that's what it's after. If if you've chosen something that you just it's killing you, you don't really enjoy it, hey, move on. Throw it away, put it to the side. You're still a good person, it's fine. Well, you might be an asshole, I don't know. But you know, put it to the side. Find something else. Yeah. But again, bringing it back to what we're talking about with our values and when we're talking about the autonomy, we're talking about longevity, we're talking about fun. This is what it's after. And that's why we've got things set up the way we do, focusing on that safety portion of it. Make sure that you're prepared to be able to perform this particular movement as well, being able to do it safely so that you can enjoy the process. And after you put in the time on the mat or wherever you're doing this, you will achieve that. And that's also looking at longevity. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So last bit, and we've alluded to this in a few ways, but just to, to be completionist about it, the, the kind of third reason for choosing details in this, you know, we said safety, oh, we said yeah. awareness. <laughs> and the other yeah. one is just to, this is maybe one of the most obvious ones. Uh, so I don't think we need to spend as much time on it, but to set yourself up for other movements. You know, prepare yourself to be able to do more. Oh, absolutely. We could, or, we could even go back to the crap. We can go back know, to the A-frame. And the reason why is I, I already mentioned this before, but uh, you have maybe uh, just, just like jumping really up and trying an else. Yeah, you might be able to do it. You might be able to. But, you know, if, if you've never been on the rings before and you just jump up on the rings and try it, you're going to look like you're having a seizure up there. You know, so take a step back. Let's look at the crab. Let's look at the setup. Let's build that strength. Let's build that flexibility. Let's build that control. And let's spend some time there working on that, preparing yourself in order to move towards those other skills. And a lot of people are saying, um, to come into the handstand, for example, a person comes to me, they're like, I want to do a handstand. I'm like, great, okay, let's work on your wrist mobility. And they're like, no, 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 I, I want to get upside down into a handstand. Yeah, I get that. But we're preparing you to be able to safely perform that handstand so that you're not just jumping up in there. You're not going to hurt your wrists and have to take a month or two months off to let your wrists heal so that you can't be working on the handstand. So that's why prep and setting yourself up is so important. And yes, you can watch YouTube and see these sparkly, shiny skills out there that you might want to get to right away. But but focusing on that setup, looking at exactly where you are, assessing where you are in your body and what you need in the long run is going to help you to get towards that goal faster. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, wrists for handstands and that's a great one, but maybe something that's even easier to understand with handstands is, uh, you know, for years and years and years, I just saw people throw themselves up against the wall and try to hold it until they, you know, got strong enough or confident enough to try to balance. But we've always, or, and by we, I mean you, because all our handstand coaching comes from you. Uh, you've always taught people to uh, to s- practice facing the belly against the wall instead of the back, which a lot of people, you know, found different or uncomfortable or weird or didn't see the point in. But this is a 
the difference between belly to the wall and, and back to the wall is this is something that we're practicing yeah. because with your belly to the wall, you have to, it allows you to focus on a straighter line on better alignment, which is setting you up to be able to have a straight line when you're not yeah. on the wall. Right. So this Absolutely. is, it's a very simple thing Thank where you. we do it one Great. way as opposed to the way that a lot of That's other right. people were we doing it at the time we started doing this. Yeah. And now more people are doing <laughs> belly to wall. Uh, it's all because of us. They just copied us. We invented it. We invented both walls and bellies. So everyone else can suck it right there. But you see a lot more people doing this because it clearly works, right? You're you're building Absolutely. not just you go, your even further time with on your that. The bail is another you know, thing too. Aware, and, and, uh, and this is comfort coming, coming with being back upside to the down. You're actively we, improving. You know, one of the reasons the, we have the straightness of your line is so because that's that is the bail portion of the hands, and the more comfortable so, that you can be able sure. to perform the car wheel, mm-hmm. it's going to take away that fear factor when you're working away from the wall. So these are also little things too that we're we're always looking at, considering, yep. and trying to refine to make it easier for all of you who want to do the things that you want to do. So, um, yeah, there you go. Cool. So let's kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, just to kind of summarize some of the key points here, like we choose a lot of specific details. We and every other coach on the planet mm-hmm. chooses the specific details that we are going to focus on with exercises. And uh, the best way to do something mm-hmm. is always going to be dependent on your context and your goals. And it has nothing to do with where somebody wants to claim a movement originated from. That ju- that doesn't matter unless that context and goal is the same as yours. And this is one reason why it's really important to seek out coaches who have experience in multiple kinds of training, uh, rather than just somebody who uh, maybe is very gifted in a single sport, but only knows that sport or only knows uh, only knows martial arts or gymnastics or weight room or only knows kettlebells or whatever. Uh, those are fantastic things. But you're other, only going to be able to too, learn um, a little bit of that form. You're not good form. You're going to be able to learn a lot form. from that coach, but maybe uh, not good so much. Form is dependent upon what you're doing and your goal comes back to just what Andy was saying as well. And so, for example, um, you know, pointing your toes, pointing your toes. Uh, when I ask a person to point their toes in the handstand, it's not simply because we're trying to look good and get points. There's a, there's an actual reason uh, behind why I ask you to point those toes and, and you check out the handstand uh, tutorials and our articles for that. But good form is dependent upon the goal. And so what might be bad form um, elsewhere might be good form because we have a, a different reason for doing it. So, yeah. Then the other thing too, the cues, like we're talking about on the cues, focus on the cues that are going to help you to you know, move towards that particular goal. Not a lot of cues. You don't need them. In the beginning, I just suggest one. Uh, you, you know, coming in, you know, if you're wearing a seminar, maybe you're looking at one of our articles, something like that, we're going to give you multiple cues. Why? Because we're trying to cram a lot of information down your throat right now. But when you're practicing, focus on that one single cue that's going to do, or pardon me, that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And and overall, I mean, for GMB, our values are, you know, longevity, autonomy, yes. fun. And so that's what we think is important. So we really recommend that you you focus yeah. you know the details yeah. that you you choose to to make primary on on your safety on setting you up for what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and also on just being really yeah. aware yeah. of what your body is doing uh you know those are the things that we found build this autonomy and and fun and help you be able to do this for the long haul so that's what's really important to us um so just to wrap up with a, a really quick tip uh, this is something that when Ryan and I were putting us together, I started thinking, well, maybe it would be good for people listening to this to apply this logic to what what you're doing right now. What you're doing right now, I think, is very underrated to be detailed and clear about stuff. So what I would suggest is just get a piece of paper and write down every kind of exercise-related activity that you do, uh, maybe in a single session or maybe over an entire week. It doesn't matter, but just write them all out. Okay. So that's one, that's your list. Then, uh, to the right of that next column, yeah. write why you're doing that. And I don't mean like a paragraph about, because it'll make me whatever, you know, just what specific goal is this contributing to? Is this for strength? Is this for mobility? Is this for motor control? Is this, uh, is this practice for, for a sport? Is this, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Okay. And then, you can either write write this out or in the next column or you know just at least yeah. think through this be really clear yeah. with yourself on how this particular activity is contributing to that goal and what i think you'll find here is that some of them don't and some of them might even move you away from that goal and so this is where you need to pay attention how can and then so then maybe look at how can you make that activity suit that goal better what are the details that'll do that better right? So if you're doing handstands to work on your shoulder strength, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the detail that you need to focus on in your handstand is pushing no pushing against the floor, pushing hard, and really trying to put all your energy into, you know, elevating your shoulders when you're upside down. That's how you're going to get the most shoulder strength value out of the handstand practice, right? How can you optimize that activity for the goal itself? And then, so you want to, that's what you want to get out of this for each of those activities, pick the one thing that's going to make that activity optimal for the reason you chose it. And then at your next session, or, you know, when you wake up in the morning or whatever, you've got kind of a checklist that you can look down and say, when I do my handstand, this is what I need to think about. When I go for a walk today, I want to be focused on my breathing because that's one of the things I'm trying to get out of mm-hmm. this. When I do this, I want to focus on this. And that way you can kind of give yourself your own sort of mental cue for each of these things, but write it down because otherwise you're going to forget stuff and it's just going to be kind of useless mental masturbation, but write it down like and it. be really clear and try to pick one thing because you will find stuff that you're doing that nothing, is not contributing add there. You'll find I stuff that wonderful. you're doing in ways um, that is not yeah. nearly optimal. Up there. I'm going to go get optimized here in a little bit. So that's it. Focus on my. Uh... No, it's All right. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a pass on it. It's good. <laughs> I know I said optimal and I, I, I feel bad about that, but that's all right. I'm going to go have an optimal latte right after this. Uh, perfectly steamed, uh, exactly 3.6 
percent fat in the milk. It's put lay, vital uh, that that be correct. That in there. It has yeah. to be so, uh, chilled to eleven era. degrees centigrade yeah. before steaming. Uh, you cannot mess this up, or I will raise holy fucking hell in your coffee shop. They, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, just yeah. So in Japan, it yeah. is officially as of uh, yesterday a new era. And so my latte art yes. was actually the kanji characters for Reiwa. Yeah. And it was very impressive. Until and so next I feel time. like we I feel like we've truly Here's entered the you. new era because my latte art said so. We have. So cheers to that. Prosperity and peace to all. 